Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber, the game hotline. 706-0111. If you would like to get in and there's lots to talk about obviously on a Monday we are going to start with UL baseball coach Matt Deggs in, in just a minute or so but um you know obviously some great lots of going on with uh the NBA and we had another very very famous person uh in sports pass away over the weekend so we're going to discuss that situation but again we're going to start here like we do each Monday with UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs how are you sir I'm great how are you Kev I I I bet you are you know it's you know we can say well you need a sweep but you still got to go play and y'all did a tremendous job of of taking care of business over the weekend well, I appreciate it. We, uh, you're exactly right. We needed a sweep, uh, very minimum won the series. And, and, uh, you know, that's tough when obviously you're the better ball club and, and there's a lot of expectation and, uh, the wind's blowing out and, and you're fighting weather and, you know, you've been banged up on the pitch and stuff. So there's a lot of variables in play. And, uh, I was proud of the hitters all weekend, man. They kind of took over and, uh, scored like 30 runs on the weekend and got a great start uh, out of everybody that started, you know, Jackson and then uh, Fluno and then uh, Preacher Man yesterday. So uh, it was it was a really good weekend. I'm excited about the way they're playing and excited we get to play Lottack tomorrow night. All right, before we get to some of those uh, names and areas that that you just kind of brought up, I, I want to – like. I want to go into yesterday. Like, first of all, how nervous are you? You got a lead. I've, I think it was six to nothing when the first lightning strike came. As a, but but you weren't to five innings yet, and you really you don't want to like not win a game because of weather there. And so, how, how nervous were you in that situation? No, it's extremely extremely nerve wracking because there's also a drop dead time. And, uh, which was seven o'clock, right? And lightning strikes are tricky because they can eat up time pretty quick because it's 30 minutes every time. Right. And so the very first thing I did, we were, we were five outs away, uh, from it being official. So the very first thing I did was, uh, get their people to contact Kathy Keene at the league office and, uh, make sure that if necessary, we could move that time back. Uh, you know, we were playing extremely well. My first thought always goes to the kids. And there would have been several, several kids get cheated yesterday uh, that were having tremendous ball games. Plus, we're going to win the game, and uh, we just need to get five outs. Uh, but you never know, right? 
and you never know how they're going to handle it, et cetera, et cetera. And they worked with us, uh, and and you know it was tricky. I even had to talk to the team because there's strategy involved now, and because I know weather's coming, and we finally get a window. And I told them, I said, look, it's going to be about a 40 minute window. Okay, so we need to get two outs, get back in the dugout. I'd like to score, but we also we, we can't dilly-dally around on offense. And uh, we need to get back on the field and get three more outs. And so uh, it was it was tricky. We did wind up – we came back out and we're just pounding the baseball. Uh, we run into a couple of outs uh, just to kind of hasten things up, if you will. And I thought the hitters did it in a very respectful way and uh, were able to get those three outs. Uh, by Cooper, who who threw the ball really well, and at that point, now you can do whatever you want to do because the game's in the books. And then, sure enough, it started. It opened up again, lightning and thunder and rain, and and you know, so now you got to wait around uh, until the drop dead time, and then both sides came into agreement. Hey, look, this isn't going to be able to be played, and that was that. So if the game though was five to four that last time, I'm sure y'all would have waited longer. Or how does that go? Uh, yeah. I mean, you got it. There's a lot of variables involved, right? I mean, the score is is certainly one thing because we come back out, and now it's ten to nothing, Kev. Now you have a whole other variable in play of now we just need three outs, right? Right. Right, and because there's a ten run rule involved on Sunday, and I think everybody could kind of see the writing on the wall. But a, a tie game, a five four game, a ten nine game, a whatever game, uh, you're still going to run up yesterday into that uh, that deadline. All right, so I, I couldn't help but smile a little bit. You know, in some ways. You're, most people probably perceive you as not the most patient coach in the world, and yet in other ways you, you've been extremely patient. And when I saw Max go five for five and then get two hits to start the next game, go seven for seven, uh, I, I couldn't help but smile thinking, man, your, pa- your patience paid, is paying off there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was really. Uh, I am really proud of the kid because he's got game-changing ability, and he's got a huge heart, and he's a great teammate, and uh, he's been through so much, and so much trial, tribulation, disappointment, elation. Uh, he's run the gamut in his career, uh, and to see him for, you know, a three-game stretch, really put it together like that. Uh, that's really the first time in his career with me. I've seen him just take over a ball game, which he has that ability. And for, you know, nine, 10 at bats, that's what he did. And some guys, I'm just going to, I'm going down, you know, on the ship. We'll all go down together. And, uh, you know, that's a commitment I made to him a long time ago, just based on who he is, uh, the gifts God gave him and, uh, everything he's been through. You know, Rockefeller has been playing much better lately, I think. So it seems like, I mean, obviously you always have one or two guys that maybe aren't hitting to their full potential. 
and and yet you can get away with that. But so it seems like your lineup is where it needs to be, or is there one or two things you'd still like to get better down the stretch here? Well, you can always get better, and I think there's little – you know, there's little things I can tinker with, uh, set up, approach, uh, swing path, et cetera, just kind of things that aren't always visible, uh, you know, or, or really obvious. Uh, but I like the lineup, and I think, I think that's, you know, obviously a, I think the numbers have proven itself out over the last 10 games. I mean, they're destroying the baseball. Uh, and look. ULM, to their credit, they have some good arms. And uh, we got after some good arms this weekend. And I really like the way we used our legs. That lineup is extremely fast. And uh, we were able to bunt. We were able to shorten the field. We were able to lengthen the field. Uh, and then we stole a ton of bases. I think we're we're one one base off of tying the all-time record and, you know, two from breaking it, which uh, – I think we could have done yesterday. I don't want to do in a ten nothing game though. I, I don't. I don't want them to get it that way. Uh, we need to do it. You know, I, I want to do it when it matters. So right, right. Uh, if that makes sense. No, it, it it does. All right. So the other thing though, you've had to be very creative, obviously, with your pitching. And you, you were you were that again. You know, Carson's normally a relief pitcher. He did start the LSU game, and then uh, he. I mean, he gave. I don't know what you were hoping. Maybe I was. I would guess four innings or so. He gave you what five and a third, five and two thirds. Uh, talk about him, and then and then Jake's kind of return and being effective as well. I think we. You know, just from trial and error, I think we stumbled into some good stuff this weekend. Uh, realizing that Fluno, well, well, let's just back up. A, Nezu is your Friday night guy, or, you know, he's your stopper. Uh, B, is Fluno's a better starter than he is a reliever, and, and he brings more to the table for us. Uh, C would be Jerry Couch looks extremely good in the back of the game. Uh, D would be, I think, Cooper excels out of the bullpen, and uh, E would be, Jake Hammond's reemergence and uh, huge three innings that he threw for us yesterday. And so, I mean, is that something where three innings is what you're hoping to get out of him moving forward, or is that just you're going to play it pitch by pitch and if, if he's in that yeah. role again? Kev, I think with his just uh, everything he's been through physically, right, uh, I think you play it batter to batter, you know, pitch to pitch. If we get one inning, let's try to get two. If we get two, all right, I'll go down and see how he feels. Uh, if he says he wants to go back out, like yesterday, I took a visit, right? Uh, a couple of guys on base, there's one out. I can see his hand speed is not there. And I said, hey, look, be honest with me, big boy. You, you know, are you done? And he said, no, I can get two outs. And I think he got two outs on two pitches after that maybe, uh, which he did. And so I think an honest, open line of communication. One thing about these guys, they're extremely uh, hard-nosed and, and tough, and they can be stubborn. And But I think when you're dealing with injuries, you got to have a really good open line of communication. Now you're you're in a situation where I would think as a competitor you kind of like because you got two series left. You're tied for fourth, and two of the three teams ahead of you 
you play from here on out. So it's kind of a little bit in your own, not totally, but a little bit in your own hands. Do you like that position? Well, for sure. But I just want to see us continue to get, you know, going and, and playing good baseball, keeping everybody healthy. And, you know, I think the biggest thing moving forward, you know, let's just say tomorrow night you have a, a solid LaTeX team on the road and then, uh, We've got a huge weekend at home with Mother's Day, Senior Day, uh, you know, graduates and a team that's got a top 50 RPI. And then you go to a team that's got a top 20 RPI, I believe, or they're in the 20s. I, I, I don't know exactly where Southern Miss is, but it's good. Uh, I look at it, like you say, as opportunity. And if we find ourselves in the mix, look, we put ourselves behind the eight ball, and there were several factors in that. But if we find ourselves in the mix, great. I've stumbled into a championship before. Uh, our first one at Sam Houston, I think we went into this same in 2016. We might have been three or so games back with two series left to play, and we just had our head down doing our thing. And you look up, and we went out, and uh, the team in front of us stumbled, and we wind up winning it. Uh, that right there is something that I think that's just game to game. But these RPI opportunities are huge because, look, we're going to finish more than likely with more wins than we did a year ago, obviously, uh, going into the tournament. And we've got a chance to reel some off here and, and beat some good RPI teams and go into that tournament hot. You never know what can happen. And I'm not talking about just having to win the tournament. We can drive that RPI way, way down. And down being a good thing. Right, right. All righty, sir. Well, congratulations. We appreciate your time as always. Y'all have fun in North Louisiana, and good luck tomorrow. Okay, thanks, Kevin. Have a great week. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. Again, as always, on a Monday, especially this time of the year, so many things to talk about. We had, you know, when we were doing the NFL draft, I, um, my, my goal was to not, get uh you know caught off guard no major 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 curveball we we, we uh, I, I didn't want a major curveball and so when we started the process with Mr. Tom with the Kentucky Derby you know I wanted to cover as many areas as we could as many horses and look at all the scenarios and we certainly, the you know, thinking, I don't know that we thought there was going to be a surprise winner, but as the day and the week went on, you started getting all these scratches, and I, you know, I kind of thought, 
something is about to happen here that a lot of people are. I mean, didn't you get that feeling, Sal? Like, some, <laughs> this is not going to be a chalk situation. And um, Angel of Empire, I think, ran a race that was good enough to win, kind of came late, and yet uh, it was – you know, the horse that won, Mr. Tom had discussed, but but they and they went on and on and on about it on, on Saturday. I, I I wasn't able to see a lot of the I was covering the Cajun softball, but when I got back after covering it, I got back, you know, with a, about twenty minutes to spare and I was able to watch the race live and just see a little bit of the commentary right after. And it's it, it's like well, this horse only had like three races. <laughs> they kept saying that. And like the, there wasn't a whole lot to chew on there to really predict it. And so it was, um, is it me or are we in an era of that? Now, I don't want to go. I guess you can't go back too many years and, and it still be. But it seems like we're in this era of people and teams that haven't done things in a long, long time doing them. Like, it wasn't that long ago the Cubs won for the first time in like 100 years, over 100 years. Uh, and now we have this jockey who, had, you know, had the most derby mounts without winning a derby ever, and he won. And it's amazing how many of those guys, when they interview him, they always seem like the nicest guys in the world. Not all of them, but he just seemed like he fit that category. So it was very easy to be happy for him, Castellano. So it was, uh, you know, I thought the Kentucky Derby, again, I don't like chalk. So I like what happened now as far as all that. The horses die. I mean, I don't know. that, that, that That's all crazy. Um, I guess you can understand why they might be a little on the conservative side with all the negative publicity they got from horses dying for – for the favorite to not um, be able to run and the owner was mad and all that. So, again, lot lots going on there with the Kentucky Derby. And then um, it was a great weekend for the Cajun baseball and softball teams getting going 6-0 and against Monroe. Certainly not a, su- a surprise either way, but as I said, when Coach Deggs first came on, you still got to do it. I mean – I know the Cajuns just own Monroe baseball. I mean, they just own them. But uh, and and certainly the Cajun softball team ha- has success. I mean, you could say they own everyone in the Sun Belt Conference. But they had that loss two years ago on Senior Day, and you kept kind of they kept talking about it, and and, and Coach Glasgow was obsessing about it, and um, and it's probably good because when they they were down one nothing and like the after two on, I get my days missed up. I think on Friday they were down one nothing after two, and he he was like, I could tell he was obsessing about it. I just looking at him, and he's pacing in the dugout. And look, I get it. Uh, he and it, but the bats took care of it, so so that went well. Um, softball on the LSU side had a great uh, doubleheader victory over Georgia to win that series. And LSU's pitching just – we talked about it last week on the show. It just seems like Auburn is in a great spot. And I remember saying last week, if they could just get one, 
because you really like their chances of sweeping down the stretch, especially as hot as they are right now. They just went to South Carolina and won. South Carolina's good. LSU's good. They beat them two out of three. And when they lost that, it's baseball, so it's hard to make these generalizations, but I did it anyway. I, when they lost three to nothing on Friday, I'm like, man, it was three to nothing. I kind of like their chances. It doesn't look, you know, I, I don't know. Auburn just seems like they're in a great position here. And they won 8-6, which was the score of the, of the uh, infamous Alabama game. And, um, and then their bats continued to come alive and they won on Sunday. And again, in and of itself, it's not that big a deal that LSU lost this series. I mean, they're having a great season. They had won every other series or tied it um, with the with not being able to complete the series with weather in Columbia. But in and of itself, it's not a it's not a big deal losing two out of three on the road in one series. It really isn't. But it, it just continues the whole underlying concern for some LSU fans that. There's just not enough pitching there. And again, in a microcosm, a three-game series is like a super regional. And if you play a really a team that can really hit or a team that can really pitch, how is that going to play out in a super regional? So again, certainly a lot to discuss there and, uh, and break down from an LSU baseball perspective. NBA... I don't know if we have time to get it. Let's start it anyway. I One of the things, and look, I'm not, um, I don't follow, in, you know, the NBA on a daily basis like I do Major League Baseball or the NFL. And so I, there are things and trends that I probably don't get. And, and I like to make analogies. One of the things I, I, I've never really totally grasped and that aggravates me when I'm watching a game, is teams that take too long at the end of halves to get into their offense. And the Celtics, and look, I very much appreciated the Celtics doing that yesterday because they lost. I said, I was tremendous. I love it. But I always love when the Celtics lose. But but I, but it's not just a Celtic team. I mean, this happens all the time. And it's not just at the end of a game like that or the end of regulation or the end of overtime. It happens at the end of first half in college basketball games all the time. It's like they wait they wait too long. So I'm trying to think. Like there's got to be something I'm not getting here. One of the arguments that we have in football all the time, and I've had on the air for years and years and years, and I think I'm – I used to be totally in the minority. Now I think I'm still kind of in the minority, but more people have come over to my side over the last 20 years or however long we've been discussing this. And what I'm talking about is the scenario at the end of a game. Do you score the touchdown? And I have argued, the argument is, yeah, if you, what if you fumble and I always say, yeah, you could fumble on the next play. That is possible. But you have to weigh the likelihood 
of you fumbling versus the likelihood of the uh, of kicking off to the other team and they completing two quick passes and kicking a field goal and beating you. Like you have to weigh that. So I'm I'm trying to think if this whole idea about the end of a basketball half or regulation or overtime. Why do teams at all levels, I've seen it for years, they wait too long? Because my mentality is, and and again, I could be wrong here, or at least it could be a 50-50 argument that I'm thinking is not a 50-50 argument. I've always thought, I want to shoot with a few seconds to give myself a chance to get an offensive rebound in case I miss the shot. But I'm wondering if that's kind of like the argument that, that, that I think the – that they're like, well, I want to make sure I get the last shot. That's more important to me than getting a good shot, a really good shot, or giving myself a chance at the offensive rebound. Like, the risk-reward factor is is just is, – is that it? Like, why? Like, why do, why do so many teams wait way too long to get into their offense? They all can't be that – disorganized, and they all can't be that's, you know, seemingly foolish. There's got to be something I'm missing here. Yeah, and I, I think in college, I think I agree even more with you. Like, I want to get a, a look early, um, but that's also because I don't trust a lot of college players to get great shots off. I, I am okay with it more in the NBA because I think the superstar guys have the ability to get the look they want with a lot less time, um, depending on who it is and who's defending. But also, I think there's an, and I would be interested to see, I haven't done a, an analytical study on it, but I would be interested to see what the analytics say. I would imagine at the end of a half is a lot different scenario than the end of a game. Uh, at the end of the game, obviously, if it's within one possession, I think you want to have the ability to take the shot and your worst case scenario be overtime if you're tied. Um, at the end of a half, though, even if the game is tied or if you're down or if you're up, there's a, kind of a risk reward as far as getting two or three more points heading into the half based on the potential situation in which I think also you're a lot less likely for the defense to get a rebound and call timeout, try and advance it and draw something up, um, depending on the timeout situation, yeah, I guess, if they have the user. Yeah. So at the end of a half, I think is also different than the end of a game. The end of a half, yeah, I'm more of let's let's get a look, no matter if it's with eight seconds left or with two seconds left. I just it just seems like a high percentage of the time teams either don't even get a shot off or they get a terrible shot off. Like, it happens so often, and I'm just thinking, there's got to be something I'm missing here. Like, why do so many teams do this? Of course, um, the Celtics didn't even get a shot off at all in time, which is tremendous. Again, it's like they've had some issues late, <laughs> last-second shots. It's got to be driving them crazy. Um I don't know exactly why it is. And why is it that Smart keeps taking these shots at the end of these games and not one, you know, again, uh, is well, that a. You know, another thing that that I think that, and just kind of thinking my way through it, that I feel very strongly about is if you're down one and you have, let's say you get the ball with 10 seconds left, I definitely want to take a shot before the buzzer because if I miss that shot, I can still foul. And I'm still within one possession, even if they make both free throws, and I'll get another chance at it. Yeah. Whereas if I go down to the buzzer now, I guess the counter to that is you can make a shot with five seconds left, and now your opponent has a chance to win the game. But I just think I like my chances better to get two shots, especially in the NBA where guys, you know, hit 35, 40% of three point shots. If I take a shot with six, five, six seconds left, I foul, they make both three. I still have a 
good chance to take a three and tie a game. So that, I, I, I don't know. That one's another one that kind of, you see different coaches play that differently. Right. So going back to the analogy that I made, I'm a guy, I'm more fearful of giving the guy 20 or 30 seconds and them hitting two sh- and kicking a long field goal. And in this case, I'm seemingly more on the other side of the bird in hand. Like I want to, I want to score, and I'm not as I'm for whatever reason not as worried about the chance of the other team making the shot. So it's that. That's why I think I'm 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 misreading this. So yeah, and then and the football analogy for me that I always think about is when you're up one, if you want to score or not, and that one's a weird one to me because you can go up eight. Uh, but then again, they still have a chance. Now, I am always it, – it, and again, it depends, like, situation. How good are you on offense? How good are you on defense? What's the flow of the game in general? But I'm a fan of if, you, if you're up one and you score, potentially going for two to make it nine. Because if you don't get it, you're up seven. The best case the, – usually the worst case is still just going to be overtime anyway. Whether it's a kicked extra point or a right. two-point conversion, I like going for it going up nine. Now, again, that depends on how good you are offensively and some other factors, but – that one's always fascinating to me as well. All right. We'll take a timeout. Be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote again on the game. On the game hotline is 337-706-0111. If you want to talk derby, if you want to talk NBA playoffs, college baseball, Major League Baseball, look, my, my, my goal right now for each Astro series, I say it all the time, is just don't get swept. That's the number one goal. Don't get swept. And the Astros achieved that by having a great victory Friday night. Great victory. I really did not think, it's the funny thing about expectations. You had a great victory Friday. You you were facing Luis Castillo, their ace, on the road. You know they were they were t- they they are so sick and tired of losing to the Astros, so I didn't really like their chances in any of these games. So you you get a you get a great victory on Friday, and you you know just shocking. JP France has a rough first inning, and after that he pitches very well. He eludes trouble in the first, bases loaded, one out, gets out of it. And after that, he pitches really well, gives you five shutout innings in his first in his major league debut. And you're up three to nothing. Get this if you missed this over the weekend. The Astros are up three to nothing with two outs and nobody on base in the bottom of the eighth. Up three nothing, two outs, nobody on. Bottom of the eighth and gave up seven runs in that inning. I mean, you'll wonder how it's even possible. And and guess how it started. Just guess. Just 
Guess how it started. It, it reminds me of the old story that they gave on Ken Burns baseball. I don't even remember the guy's name. Some old baseball coach from 100 years ago. And he was dying on his deathbed, and some buddy of his come in, and and he I forget the guy's name, whatever his name, and and uh, and his buddy goes, "What's killing you?" Whatever his name was, and he said, "Bases on balls," and it just kills you. So two outs, nobody on. He walks the the next batter. And I'm going, he's asking for trouble. Then the next guy gets totally fooled on a pitch. And he, and he hits this equivalent of a, of a swinging bunt to the right of the mound. And he doesn't make the play on the ball. And it gets by him. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. Then the next ball, he gets he gets to Oscar Hernandez down two strikes, who's not a disciplined hitter at all. And he gets too much of the plate on like a I think a two-two pitch, but I could be wrong. Could have been one-two. And he hits a ground ball to short, deep short. Pena catches it. But because it was kind of between the third baseman and second and shortstop, Bregman had made a first move towards the ball and then let up on it, and he was struggling to get back to the bag. The only play that Bregman, that Pena had deep in the hole was to force out at third because there were runners on first and second. And the throw beat him, but Bregman wasn't like standing there like a first baseman ready for it. He was trying to move and catch the ball, and the throw was a little bit behind him. It wouldn't have been a bad throw if he was just stationary, but he was moving, and and they don't make the play. So now the bases are loaded and nobody out. I mean, in two outs. Bases are loaded. It's still, you're up 3 nothing. bases loaded. The next, like, eight guys all hit line drives. Like, they had been lucky the whole game to even get on base. And then they get in that situation, and all of a sudden, you they could not get them out. Just can't get them out. Unbelievable. Gave up seven runs with two outs and nobody on. And then yesterday, I didn't really think they had a chance to win. Brandon like pitching. And he didn't pitch well, but he kept them in there, and then they're still not hitting, and so they lost. So not the, the best of weekends. It's like... I just did I just didn't want to get swept and they didn't get swept. So in that way it was a successful weekend. But your expectations change when you're up three to nothing in the bottom of the eighth and it's two outs and nobody on. You kind of think you should win that game. The good news is Preston Tucker went one for three with a homer on Saturday, then went one for three with a double on Sunday. Um, so you have that. We have that going. We just need a trade for him. It's just as simple. Just make the call. Yep. Uh, and there's a starting pitcher we should we should call. Did you hear me say that in the first show? I did not. Dallas Keuchel's just sitting there. Oh, no. Yes. What's wrong with Dallas oh, Keuchel? Oh, no, no. <laughs> wait I'll a vote. minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I vote no on I'm Dallas I'm surprised Keuchel. to hear you. He is washed up. He's been washed up for two or three years. He First of all, he was dominant the COVID 2020 season. Then he came back and was pretty bad for 21-22. But my point there is he's had some time off. You call him, he's not going to cost you much. You got a little re, you know, rejuvenation there of a guy who was a part of the original run that you made. I think what's the what, what's the 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 downside there? If he pitches bad, the downside in two, is three he outings, gets lit. Yeah, but this is the same team that was letting Jake Odorizzi start games last year. So like But Jake Odorizzi's better than uh Dallas Keuchel. 
Danko um, Dorizzi is his, not great, but he's not terrible. Last year's Dallas Keuchel, sure, but before that, I mean, like Dallas Keuchel is washed up. I want no part of Dallas Keuchel. I disagree with you. I mean, I think there's something. Left I don't in want. There. I don't want Brandon Belak, and I don't. I don't ever trust that guy just because he always has that clueless look on his face. <laughs> but. But I, no, I want no, no, I look, I'm all for Preston Tucker. I'm all for it. I love it. I want no part of Dallas Keuchel. No, I didn't want to think about it. No. Just give him a couple starts. No, I want no part of that cat. Um, look, JP France, who know it's one start, but his stuff looked good. He didn't look lucky. I mean, he was making good pitches. It wasn't like he was throwing the ball off the plate and they were just popping it up. Like sometimes you can kind of tell when a pitcher's just kind of baseball's getting them out. I think he now look. He, he did did they hit a couple line drives at people? Yeah, but I mean that's gonna happen in most games. Like I thought he made a lot of good pitches. I, I I didn't think it was a lot of flukiness. Now there's adrenaline and all of that going. So who knows? It, you know how often he can repeat that. But he he looked like a guy who was making good pitches. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, they keep hinting that Brantley's going to be back, maybe in this series. Now, I can't believe they're going to start Brantley. I mean, if he comes back, it seems like his first game will be tonight or Wednesday because Shohei is pitching. Now, I wouldn't think they'd want to start Brantley, although he's a veteran, so he can handle it, you know, against a, a good left-hander, although in his last two starts, his ERA is seven thirty-six. I'm sure he's a right-handed pitcher. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. He's right-handed. You're right. You're right. You're right. I don't know why I was thinking that. You're Bats right. Bats left-handed. Bats left-handed. That's why I was thinking that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He's right. So yeah, yeah. I, I would think. I would think. I mean, bring him back now. Let's go. Look, I can't watch David Hensley hit anymore. Look, and and I and I was kind of wrong because I kind of thought Hensley looked pretty good last year in a very small sample size. He looks terrible right now not any worse than Jose Abreu I don't know what we're gonna do Jose Abreu it's very early it's still very early guys have bad months all the time really they do I know everybody's panicking right now but just because he's a he's getting up in age I am a little worried than I am like I'm more worried about him than Bregman although Bregman Bregman and I got the same amount of hits as Bregman did this weekend same amount Cat, you can mix in a single every once in a while. We'll be okay. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. I alluded to it earlier. We lost over the weekend one of the best names in sport history. 
certainly an all-time great baseball name, but really, I think it's one of the great names in sports history. Vita Blue, it just sounds so cool. I've always thought that name did. And try to when when important historical historically important figures die, especially those with ties to the state or the area. Certainly want to uh, comment on that. Vita Blue was from Mansfield. One of the things, kind of looking at his bio, that I was interested in, because it's the kind of things that most of us don't know anything about unless you really follow him or, and really research a, a guy or you know him. Um, he was a high school quarterback at DeSoto High School in Mansfield. In his senior year, he threw for 3,400 yards with 35 touchdowns and 1,600 yards rushing. That's kind of funny. And that, and that, that, that goes into the, the current push that a lot of people have, that a lot of coaches have to be multi-sport athletes. But, you know, his first two years, he kind of, in the, in, the, in the major leagues, he didn't do a whole lot. He didn't pitch a whole lot. He did have one shining game where he threw a no-hitter. But, again, he, he wasn't anywhere. He wasn't, like, in the regular rotation. It was a normal first year or two where you kind of pitch a little bit. You're not really part of it. Well, his first, it's funny, and he's not the only pitcher that has done this. Where their first big year, their first full season, where they just hit the major league world by storm, was the best season he ever had. Like he never, it was one of the great seasons, 1971, he was 24 and 8 with a 182 and a 095. Now back then we didn't worry about whip or ratio very much. But he was he pitched 312 innings, which was again, now that never happens. That never happens. But back then it wasn't everybody didn't do it, but a, a lot of them, a lot of guys would throw 300 innings um compared to now. But he had eight shutouts. He th- in 312 innings, he had a 182 and a 095 with 301 strikeouts. So when you look at, and I, I, I don't have a list in front of me or anything, but if you look at the greatest seasons, especially of the 70s, but even, even my lifetime, like two of the best of the 70s for sure, was, um, you know, two pitchers from Louisiana. Guidry in 78 was 25-3. and three. Well, I think he had a 179 or something like that. Uh, 174, 179, something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm getting older and some things are slipping a little bit. Uh, and then this Vita Blue season of 71, um, 24-8 and eight with a 182. Very, very impressive. Uh, he went on to, and that year he won the Cy Young and the MVP. There's been some uh, some references to 1984 this year because the Rays are off to this tremendous start. In '84, the Detroit Tigers were 35 and five, and Willie Hernandez, relief pitcher, was. A Cy Young and the MVP. And Vita Blue, a starting pitcher, 13 years before that, 1971, was an MVP and 
a Cy Young Award winner, just tremendous. He had, you know, he he won he won twenty games two other times, so he did it three times in his career. And um, Vita Blue has spent some time. Obviously, you know, he spent most of his career in the Oakland area. He was on those back to back to back Oakland A's teams, and he pitched for the Giants for years as well. But uh, he he was scheduled to be in Lafayette just in in January for that annual banquet they do, and he wasn't feeling good, and and now he's passed away. But certainly wanted to mention Vida Blue. We'll take a timeout. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host Kevin Foot. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. I'm not done with my Dallas Keuchel pitch to you, and I got a different way of thinking about it for you. This cat is... (laughs) Fired up about Dallas Keuchel. Okay, let me hear. So, uh, friend of the show, my buddy Chris from Atlanta, he comes on or he uh, calls in to talk to RP3 about the Braves sometimes. He's a big Braves fan. But he said by, you know, with your way of thinking, Dallas Keuchel, he's due for some good luck from the Piper. He's given up way too many earned runs in the past few outings (laughs) of last season. He's got to be due for a couple of good outings. Washed up is washed up. (laughs) I mean, the guy's washed up. I'm no. not. I'm not ready to give up on the dream. But what did you? Do? Was he like one of your favorite? Yeah. Players? No. Yeah. He's only. He's actually the only uh, Astros jersey I've ever owned is a Dallas Keuchel jersey. Didn't get much use out of it because he left. Although I no, I had it for a while while he was still on the team. But anyway, look. I mean, he did a great job while he was there. <laughs> you just gotta appreciate people for what they did when they did it. I mean, you can't hold on to that stuff. I mean, that- looks. He's staying uh, with a pitching program. Supposedly, a bunch of teams were interested, like, like right before the regular season started. I'm assuming teams then, you know, figured they would wait, and now you get some depth issues. Astros more than anyone like, else. Like, if you really wanted to go get an older guy, and I don't want him either, You Madison Bumgarner's pitched more recently than he has. I mean, I don't want either one of them. They're washed. You don't, you think he's more? You think he's less washed than Bumgarner? Yes. Although Bumgarner can maybe give you some at-bats if you're in a real pinch. <laughs> well, can't hit any worse than some of the guys coming on right now for the... But, man, with all that said, Jake Myers he had a good weekend at the plate. Where did that come from? All of a sudden, Jake Myers, like, I'd rather have Jake Myers at the plate right now than Alex Bregman or Jose Abreu. What in the world is going on? Like, I mean, I'd certainly rather have Icky and El Perro at the plate. Still rather have Pena at the plate. I've noticed Dubon. Dubon's had a lot of graded bats. But it's more leading off. Like he's with runners on base, he's not. To me, his batted bats come in RBI situations. I don't. Uh, I don't really trust Dubon. I'd rather with a runner on on with a runner on second and two outs. I'd actually, and I never thought I'd be saying it. I'd actually rather have Jake Myers at the plate. 
right now, then he I'd probably put him like fourth or fifth on the list. I never thought I'd say that that soon. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy. Oh, that was sad news to hear about old Vida Blue. I was going to tell you uh, back about, uh, I guess it was either in 2000, the beginning of 08 or 09, when Spencer was about 10 or so. And uh, remember Mike Selfo had that Baja Sports Grill? Yes, sir. They had a uh, like a meet and greet before that uh, that old baseball banquet that they used to have, you know, with Mel Didier and. Uh, yeah, they still have uh, it. They still have that. Yeah. But okay. anyway, go ahead. I never hear anybody promoting it anymore. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we did with Stevie P several times. But, but uh, Vida Blue came to that thing over there, and I brought Spencer, and he couldn't have been any nicer. He showed so much interest in talking to him and stuff compared to, you know, the way so many of these uh, famous athletes do and stuff. He gave him his autograph and asked him about what he was doing and stuff. I mean, he just seemed like a really genuinely nice, good guy. Absolutely. They've said that about him, you know, his whole career, the things that he did uh, as a young athlete and then once he retired. Absolutely. And I started asking him, you know, since I know baseball and with that really good year he had, 1971, I was uh, 10 years old. That's when I was, you know, really getting into baseball and stuff. And I asked him different questions and, you know, he was glad to talk to you, you know, because he meets so many of these people. And it's like, I guess sometimes they get bombarded so much that they just, they give you the impression they really don't feel like bothering with you, you know? Right. Where where he was the exact opposite of that. And it made me think that, man, it's nice to see guys, you know, that are nice like that. That are, And then I think he told Spencer he'd even send him, a, 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 like, some kind of photograph or something, autograph. He didn't have one with him or something. He ended up sending it to him, too. Wow. I mean... Just, just a really nice guy, and just made me sad when I think about that. He was what seventy three, you said? Yes, sir. Did they say what was wrong with him? It or? was, it was complications with a cancer situation. Uh, I don't know exactly, but that's what I read. You know, complications with cancer treatment. And you say when did they do that baseball banquet? Now, in uh, I want to say it was in 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 January. Yeah, used to always be, and that's when I met him, was at the thing right before the banquet, and it was in January. I remember that. Yeah. But I, I never hear him talk about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but, we, uh, we had Stevie on several knew, times. Uh, what's his name died. Uh, Didier, uh, Mel Didier, he passed away. Yeah, but Walter was the guy behind it, and, and they, um, you know, they had several guys that weren't originally Dusty was going to make it this year, but he backed out and then Vita said he wasn't feeling good. So he backed out. And then now, um, you know, we see what, you know, he used to come. He was, he seemed like a nice fella too. He used to manage the Rangers of Ron Washington. Absolutely. Yes. He's Uh, a coach now for somebody for, for the Braves. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I saw uh, him. He's a base coach. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for the call. All right, Kevin. All right. 
Yeah, uh, no, I've never, again, I never heard anything bad about Vida. So that, that, that doesn't surprise me. And again, uh, just, you know, from the state, great name. And I just like to always try to at least give some historical perspective to people who, um, who pass away that maybe the younger fans or a non old school baseball fan or whatever the sport that we're talking about may not, may not quite get. So no, it was a great, um, great career, great influence, great name, all of that. So, and, and again, he's from, uh, he's from Mansfield, Louisiana. All right. So again, big weekend, still lots to, to kind of unpack and, and, and and put into some perspective. We talked a little bit about the NBA playoffs. Um, Jokic had 53 points, 11 assists, and four rebounds. Like, it, it, it's kind of hard to imagine someone of his size. Of course, he plays kind of a finesse game, I guess you could say, but man, it seemed like he'd get more than four rebounds by accident sometime. But but um the big hot news nationally is are they gonna suspend him? And I just he had some sort of incident where the owner of the Suns, you know, why is the owner of I mean if you want to sit there fine, but what are you touching basketball for? I mean, I don't you know, why why, why is all that happening? Like I, I can't believe my understanding it's on the commissioner's discretion. And to me, something would have to be really bad or really blatant to to suspend one of the elite, well, any player, but especially an elite player and just, you know, basically you're determining the winner of a series or at least pretty close to that. Like, I, I just can't believe they would do that. And again, I don't, I think Draymond got suspended because Draymond has a history of being a punk on, on the court. I, I don't know that. I mean, I don't. If there's something I'm, I could be unaware of, but I don't know that Jokic has this history of being a punk on the court like like Draymond and always being in trouble and always pushing the the line and and going over the line. And, I, and Draymond also, after he did what he did, he also ran around courtside screaming expletives at the crowd and making gestures. So <laughs> I think that added to the reason he was yeah, suspended as well. Yeah, so I, I just don't think this is the same situation. I, I would be surprised if they suspended him, and I think he'd be a little irresponsible. And the NBA commissioner does not seem like that kind of guy. Like maybe David Stern, who was more of the dictator type guy, a commissioner might do that just to show who's big and bad and flex his muscle, kind of a, I'm the boss and all that. But I, I, I would be surprised if that happened. So you hope that doesn't happen. And so tonight, I think it's tonight, the Knicks play the Heat. So we'll see. We'll see if the Knicks can do can even that series. Although, you know, again, it just doesn't look. I I, I still kind of feel, unfortunately, that the sick the Celtics have an advantage here. Even though the six, you know, a lot of times we get that recency bias, and the last game kind of impacts what you think is going to happen, and you change your mind. I I still kind of think the Nuggets have the edge over the Suns, and I hope it plays out that way. And I still kind of think 
the Celtics have the edge over the Sixers, and I hope it doesn't play out that way. I don't I don't really have a dog in the fight between the whole Knicks and Heat thing. Although, because of the what we discussed last week with the Bucks firing their head coach, I think it would make it look interesting if the Heat like made the finals. It would be like, you know, maybe you should have waited a little. Like, maybe it wasn't. In, like, if the Heat make the NBA Finals or even the conference tournament, I mean, the conference finals, like, how embarrassing is it? You know, can't be that embarrassing. It wasn't like you got beat by some donkey team who couldn't possibly beat anybody else. So, you know, it, it would look really bad if they had just, like, got swept by the Knicks. But right now, I mean, does anybody other than a big Knicks fan think the Knicks are going to win that series? I mean, it's possible, certainly. I mean, it's not like it's a they're that far behind, but it doesn't look good. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks got outplayed in game one, got almost outplayed in game two without Jimmy Butler, and then got outplayed in game three. So it doesn't it would, look good. It would have to be a significant turnaround from the way they've played in the first three games of the series. So I kind of... I think I'm now kind of, just for argument's sake, be kind of interesting to say, yeah, you fired the guy, but, I mean, man, the team that they, that beat you, they're obviously doing something right. They beat somebody else, and it's, can you imagine if they – I don't think they, they can beat the Sixers or the Celtics, but I didn't think they'd beat the Bucks. so, you know, we'll, we'll see. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The Lil MVPs. The Little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. Game hotline is 337 706-0111. On this Monday. Again, we talked a little bit about the Kentucky Derby and the craziness there of that race and um NBA playoffs and some some game scenarios at the end and trying to figure out exactly why teams do what they do. If you have any thoughts on that, we spoke with UL baseball coach Matt Deggs. Cajun's got a big sweep of ULM over the weekend, as did the softball team. And, you know, we don't we talk about it some on this show, but not a lot. And I don't want to have it happen again for another season without at least mentioning it. Look, how many of us a series or two into the Sunbelt Conference softball season made the comment or at least had the thought, 
I don't know if they're going to be able to continue this all the way through this year, winning every series. And they did it. They did it again. Like, look, I understand there are a lot of elitists out there. I mean, college sports lends itself to being an elitist, which I hate the whole elitist mentality. But um, whether you're a Cajun fan who's an elitist or a fan of an SEC or, or a Big 12 or an ACC school and you're an elitist, um, it doesn't matter you can say, well, the Sun Belt is this or it's that in softball. But it's just difficult to win every series for 10 years. Like, it's just, even if you're an elitist, you got to admit there's something to win in every conference series for 10 years. Like, it, you just feel, like, you say, well, you say, well, they got to have a bad week. Well, they did have bad weekends. Plenty of those weekends they didn't play well. Plenty of those weekends they had some stuff go against them. I mean, it's just how you could do that every weekend, even if you are better than just about every team you play. Doesn't mean that you're always playing better than every team you play. I mean, think, I mean, that's the difference in baseball. And, I, and again, softball is not exactly like baseball, but it's a lot like it. You know, you say, well, well, look at the Astros. Are the Astros better than most of the teams they've played this year? Yeah. The Astros haven't won any series against a team with a losing record. They've lost every series against a team with a losing record this year. And every series that they won were teams that have winning records. So what does that mean? It means it doesn't matter whether you're better overall. It matters how you're playing in that moment. Like just be, you, you could be playing in the middle of August and be 30 games ahead of some team. That doesn't mean they're not playing better with you for than you are that weekend or that week. You might be going through some slump for whatever reason. And so it, it, it's just, it's impressive. Like I remember the first time, the Astros won the World Series in 2017. In early, the first half of August, they were horrendous. Horrendous. Like, I remember saying in and people said I was crazy. If they if they had a tournament and everybody played everybody, the Astros would have finished last. If the tournament was held, if the playoffs were held in August of that year, they wouldn't have even made the, they wouldn't have won a game. They were playing horrendous. And by the end of the year, they got it back together and they won the World Series. So it's just, um, you know, it's impressive that they've done this for that long. And again, I don't, for whatever reason, as impressive as I think it is, we don't harp on it all the time. We mention it here and there. And the fact that now a whole other year has passed, you know, it's, it's, Many times over the last few years, I'm like, well, I think this is going to be the year. This might be the year. And here, here it is. It happened again. So now that all of that's over the week, out of the way, the senior weekend and all that, you know, now it, it and co, uh, which player was it? It was Kendra over the weekend was very clear, and and she said what she, you know, 
what she's supposed to say. Look, now all of that's over. It's a single elimination tournament starting Wednesday. Well, the Cajuns don't play until Thursday at 7. But the tournament starts Wednesday at Lamson Park, and there are two games on Wednesday. And it's a single elimination tournament, and anybody anybody can beat you in one game. So you got to get serious. I mean, you know, some people want to host. I mean, everybody would like to host. In theory, it just depends on where you're hosting for some people, including myself. I mean, I I would prefer for the Cajun if I was. If you ask me, what's the best case scenario for the Cajuns? Hosting as a 14, 15, or 16 seed is not it. So a lot of people disagree with me, and that's fine. It's a it's a debatable subject, and we've been debating this on and off for the last six weeks. I just I still to I I still think that the people that think they're not going to host, I. St- I still think they're underrating the strength of schedule some. And um, I just don't see how you're not going to give a reward to a team that has gone on the road as much as they have and played the schedule that they have. Like, what message are you sending? Now, the problem with that statement is your definition of rewarding a team See, I, I think committees have more agendas than most people do. And maybe if they were listening to me, they would be saying, well, you're just being, you know, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Maybe so. But what is your definition? A lot of it could depend on your definition of terms here. Like, I don't think giving the Cajuns a host site as a 15 or a 16 seat is rewarding them. I think that's punishing them. So... Again, it depends on your definition of terms. I think it's a cop-out. If you're going to give them a host site at 14, 15, or 16, that's a cop-out to make you look good. I don't want any part of that. I don't think that's rewarding them at all. Um, we'll see what happens. So, again, this is a complicated issue. It's a highly debated subject. And even the definition of rewarding is different for different people. And again, I'm probably in the minority thinking that. I'm almost certainly I'm in the minority thinking that. But I don't know. I think that's a, I think that's a um, underhanded. Um, the opposite. What what is the opposite of a blessing in disguise? Is there a is there we always know. say blessing in disguise <laughs> a curse out in the open I don't know yeah you know, yeah I guess so but no it's it, I I guess not a total opposite but it'd be like a curse in in disguise is basically what I'm saying like that it is a um, shawls in disguise there you know it's just it's not good it just looks like it's good a wolf in sheep's clothing would be another cliche to to use. For that. that. That's what I'm gonna call it. If the Cadets get a 14, 15, or 16 seed, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is the, the committee's a wolf in sheep's clothing. You think uh what do you think the South Alabama team of twenty thirteen that beat the Cajuns on March sixteenth in a doubleheader 
Uh, you think they thought that was going to be the last team to beat a Cajuns in a series for a decade? And there was controversy on that play, as I, I remember. Like, Steve would remember when we, we might ask Steve to recount that. He was there. By the way, Stevie P threw out the first pitch the other night. That was, that, that was, that was fun to see. But Steve was there. As I remember, there was a um, – was it a leaving the base early or so? Like, Steve will remember the details of it, but there was controversy, high, heavy con- high controversy in, the, in, in one of those games. Well, and you talk about – these streaks and again like I do it's almost inconceivable and I think like it's something that now it it happens every like every year it's still happening so we just kind of go with it but it's like almost inconceivable but that 2013 year the last time they lost a conference series they were 47 and 15 overall so they still were obviously a great team they not only lost the series to South Alabama they lost the week before to Western Kentucky they lost two series in a row and then they never really good and then they never lost a series for 10 years after that it's just (laughs) It's oh, unbelievable. No, it's crazy. No, it it, it 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 is crazy. So we'll we'll see again. They're gonna all these conference, you know, all the all conference and all that stuff's gonna come out. But I still say, and 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 I, uh, you know, we're gonna say it again multiple times. It's just gonna depend on when you play a close game. Are you gonna get the two out hit, or you're not gonna get the two out hit? I mean, it, it it's amazing. What? How? How much better a clutch hit in a pressure situation when the game is closed late can make you look, or if you can't get those clutch hits in a pressure situation when it's close and late, how bad it makes you look, and that's just the difference between looking like this great winning team and or or some team where they want to fire the coach, and and I, you know, it's just it it's it's hitting and clutch just makes all the difference. Vice versa, pitching in the clutch makes all the difference. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 337-706-0111 if you would like to get in. Again, still lots going on. Want to congratulate the Westgate track and field boys, track and field team. They won the 4A state championship over the weekend. And, you know, some of us are big track fans and some of us aren't. But one thing I got to give track and field, one thing I like and I can appreciate about track and field is be- I think it's because of the logistical makeup of the sport, which on one hand, I'm not a big fan of. On the other hand, it, there's some great stuff about it, and that is it's one of the sports left that, that the split doesn't really involve. It, it, it's... um. When you're out there competing, you're competing against everyone in the state that's generally in your school enrollment, generally. You know, there's no split. Let's put it that way. Uh, and baseball and softball are two sports where they're still doing the split just like basketball is and um, and football. But uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a non-split sport, and so 
you know, uh, Makai Butte had a tremendous, um, you know, he won two firsts and was involved in some relays. And I uh, also want to congratulate Gabe Clement um, of Kaplan. He had three firsts over the weekend in the AAA meet on Friday. So uh, some some production things and, and teams doing very well. ESA boys on Thursday, we failed to mention that Friday, won the state championship as a team in boys track as well in Baton Rouge. And Saturday was a little bit of an adventure in bat. I was not there. I was at Cajun softball, but kind of like happens in baseball sometimes. Uh, you know, they had a lot of weather issues and delays and having to change venues a little bit and all. So um, it was quite a chore getting that in. On the baseball side, again, we already mentioned St. Thomas Moore is headed to Sulphur. Eunice is also heading to Sulphur, and we'll be speaking with head coach Scott Phillips tomorrow on the show uh, as they, they, they are returning to the state tournament. Notre Dame, congratulations to the Pios. You know, when you lose game one of a best-of-three series, you're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. Now it helps when you're at home because at least you're at home, but um, – they seem like they've done this. Seem like this is not the first time in recent memory they've done this, where they lost game one and then came back in one game, one game two and three. So Notre Dame will advance, and they're playing on Wednesday, as is St. Thomas More. Eunice is playing on Thursday in Sulphur, and Opelousas Catholic, who, to our friend Raymond Chagrin, he is really struggling with this. That some levels play normal one game per round, and others play best of three series. Uh, Opelousas Catholic um, last week advanced on Thursday. They advanced to the state semifinals with a home win over district foe Catholic Point Capiz. So four teams from the Cadiana area in the semifinals heading to the state baseball tournament again. OC will play tomorrow. St. Thomas Moore and Notre Dame will play on Wednesday. And Eunice will play on Thursday. We'll see if they, if one of those teams at least will win a state championship, and you know it'd be a pretty productive late spring for the Cadiana area in, in softball. St. Thomas Moore and Kaplan won state championships, and so we'll see if baseball can follow up several track and field teams from the area that won team state championships. So. We don't often talk a lot about high school sports, but when they get to this level, we certainly want to recognize those teams. So congratulations to all involved there. All right, so big big weekend. Um, we mentioned um, the Cajuns at the very top with when we interviewed Coach Deggs in our weekly Monday interview, and we kind of glossed over it but didn't do it in great detail the Cajuns have, with this sweep in Monroe, are now tied with Georgia Southern for fourth place, one game out of third. So, and the and that is Texas State, which the Cajuns play at home this weekend. So, uh, obviously, if they win two out of three, they can forge a tie with a tiebreaker there and a two-way tie. We'll, we'll, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. That I mean, it's not impossible, but you know, it would take it would take quite defeat 
to overcome a three-game deficit with six games to go. But one of those teams, currently Coastal and Southern Miss, are tied for first at 17-7, and and one of those teams is Southern Miss, and the Cajuns play them to close out the regular season. Now that's in Hattiesburg, so that'd be quite a chore, but, you know, teams have swept on the road before. It's not impossible. Um, And so, obviously, the Cajuns would have a lot of work to do on the flip side of things, remember, the first, the Canaanites took a huge step to avoiding this, obviously, by sweeping in Monroe. That's why I, we put so much emphasis on that. Um, there are 11 teams, not mathematically, but essentially there's 11 teams fighting for 10 spots right now. The, 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 there are three teams at the bottom of the standings that, you know, it would take a minor miracle for them to get in. So, essentially, you have 11 teams fighting for 10 spots. So, the first step is you want to make the tournament. You can't win the conference tournament in the automatic bid if you don't even make the tournament feel, obviously. And so, the first step is to not finish 11th. Um, the teams that are tied, there are two teams tied for 10th right now. One of them is South Alabama, who had been playing really good baseball uh, of late, and Georgia State. Now, Georgia State got swept by Texas State this weekend. So they're 11 and 13. And South Alabama lost two out of three to Southern Miss. They're 11 and 13. Georgia State plays Georgia Southern this weekend, who the Cajuns are tied for fourth with at 14 and 10. And. Um, South Alabama host Coastal, which is an interesting series because South Alabama's fighting for their for its lives. Coastal has not played well. Like the two games before they came to Cage to um Cajun Field to uh, Russo, they hadn't been they they weren't playing well, and then they were very fortunate to beat the Cajuns two out of three. Really got outplayed in that series, I thought. And then they then they didn't play great after that either. They got crushed on that third Tuesday, and uh, they won two out of three over the weekend, but didn't exactly play great. So I don't think Coastal right now, kind of like I was talking earlier, is playing at a really high level. That doesn't mean you know they can't they can start. You know that's the great thing about baseball. You can start playing well at any day. And Coach Deggs keeps reminding us, you never know, to his point, when an eight-game winning streak is right around the corner if you don't keep mentally focused. And so that point is well made. I mean, teams all the time, and I know Major League Baseball is not college baseball, but it's still baseball. And teams all the time, they'll play poor, play poorly, boom, all of a sudden they won seven in a row. Like, where did that come from? That's baseball. Um and so we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, that Coastal at South Alabama series, I'm going to be watching as close as I can. I, that, that series intrigues me because I don't think Coastal's playing all that great right now. And South Alabama is, um, you know, fighting for its life. I mean, this is a you're talking about a very proud baseball program that a lot of people don't like because of how cocky they normally are. Uh, in the in this conference, and for them to be fight, it's a little little. They're not really used to fighting to even get into a tournament situ- conference tournament situation. So it'll be very interesting to see how that series goes down. But no, things looking much better for the Cajuns. But 
as far as the next step of finishing in the top six to avoid that, is, which is some, essentially a play-in tournament, the first round of the Sunbelt Conference tournament in Montgomery next week. Um, still a lot of work to do there because JMU is 12-10. and 10. They have the same amount of losses you have, and they don't have as many wins, but uh, I haven't examined J- James Madison's schedule. They also have a tiebreaker. But you can't have a tiebreaker because they're not going to play the same amount of games unless there's rain. Yeah, unless other yeah, unless but, other cancellations. But they're happen. even in the loss column, is what I'm saying, and that would you know that. And so I don't know who I have. We'd have to look it up, see who James Madison is playing. I doubt they're playing a tougher schedule than Southern Miss and Texas State. I, but I haven't really looked at it. But again, they're well, they're, they're playing Old Dominion and Georgia Southern, so good teams. Now, yeah, and Old yeah. Dominion, of course, you know, hasn't been what they were at the beginning of conference play. But I think we also kind of called that a little bit at the beginning because they just didn't play the schedule to start. Right. But competitive teams, and so uh, again, still still some hurdles to jump. You want to finish one, you want to make the tournament, and then two, you want to try to finish in the top six. And still plenty of work to do. And they're not going to play anybody who they're just flat out better than like they were in Monroe for the rest of the way, other than maybe Louisiana Tech tomorrow. But that's a non-conference game that, in my mind, is just kind of in the way. I mean, I know Coach Deggs, he's just an old baseball guy. And he just he wants to play every day. He said that. for. But to me, when you're this late in the season, midweek games just get in the way. I, I just would rather not play them. I know I'm the same guy that says I don't like five-week games. You can't have both. I know. I just don't like playing midweek games. Once you get into mid-May and you start talking about conference tournaments and all that, but it is what it is. It didn't end up messing up the Cajun softball team last week. They took that crazy trip to Ruston and won 8-1 to one and then came back and, and, and swept Monroe. So it, it, it all worked out for the best. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. How much does Foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. I love turning 50 because... I was no longer a 49. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline 706-0111. is we... Enter another busy week. Look back at another busy weekend. We've got the state softball tournament that we talked about, Sunbelt Conference softball tournament here at Lamson Park starting on Wednesday. Cajun's first game is scheduled for 7 p.m. Thursday. And so uh, we'll see how – I haven't looked at weather reports yet. Are, are, are we are we okay for sulfur in Lafayette this week? Well, or? you just never know this time of year. But it does look like we're in some trouble. Oh, there's at least a sixty percent chance of rain every day this week. So in uh, Sulphur and Lafayette, I, I, this is that's Lafayette. I haven't checked Sulphur yet. Um, I will check, but um, I mean it's always tough this time. Yes, year, right. The Sun Belt baseball tournament has dealt with that yes. almost every year. The last five, it feels like. 
Absolutely. And so, yes, it is, um, it's a challenge. It, it looks worse than sulfur. It looks worse. Sulfur's like 80, 90% almost every day of the week this week. That's not good. Yeah. That's pop bomb. Now, the difference is they have multiple fields that if you have to make up games, you have multiple fields. I wonder if it's even legal for the Cajuns to play some games like in Youngsville. I'd imagine so. Those Youngsville fields have hosted major college tournaments before um, with the Cajuns being in them, right? Um, so it's not like it's a, you know, fit-for-play situation because yeah. they've hosted those games. And we've seen, I mean, we saw the basketball tournament be played in, you know, Pop Warner gyms. So yes, I would assume if, if you have to. The, other, the funny thing is, you know, the first thing they always consider, and we've seen baseball do this a lot, is, you go to single elimination. Well, softball is already single elimination, so they've already got that part out of the way. Uh, as far as if you don't think you're going to get all your games in, so they have that going for them, I guess. And of course, the default always is you just go back to the regular season champion. I would, you know, that, that's kind of the default. Yeah, and, and you know, again for the Cajuns, like um, they won't, you know. I know Coach Glasgow wants to play and win titles, but they won't be heartbroken, I don't think, if they don't get this thing played. Uh, they're going to be – that would ensure them essentially 9 or 10 in the RPI, depending on if a couple other things fluctuated, and a very good resume showing the committee that you should host. I mean, maybe you improve that a little bit with a couple more wins if you if it worked out correctly and you played the teams you wanted to play, but I don't know if you gain a ton from playing anyway. So in this situation – now, obviously, baseball, if you're the Cajuns, you need to play, right? Yes. But softball, I don't know if you'd be that upset if it didn't happen. All right, so let's say, and I don't think this is going to happen, but let's say the whole tournament gets washed out. How many teams did the Cajuns get? Does the Sun Belt get in in softball if the whole thing rains out? I think two. I really don't. It's just, I mean, I guess it's going to end up being very close. And, you know, you always go back to... Just like we talk about in basketball, bid stealers, right? If there's a couple of teams that went, which there usually are, especially in softball and baseball, maybe not as much in softball than as in baseball, but you know, if if anybody wins, it's not supposed to. It's going to be tough. I mean, you're sitting there. South Alabama is at forty, and Texas State is at thirty-nine. I've got Texas State at forty-one, um, but I, yeah, I don't know which one of those is more updated. But I'm just looking on, you know, right now. Yeah, and actually, that I didn't. I didn't think they jumped that much in the last week. So I guess South Alabama got the job done, and they and they end up going up seven spots. So I don't know. Maybe you do get three because South Alabama. I, I, didn't I don't think know how they're going to distinguish those two. Right. I mean, South Alabama has more wins. Texas State has a tougher schedule by a good margin. Um, McNeese, by the way, is forty-four. Yeah. Uh, Texas, South Alabama beat Texas State two out of three. If they end up choosing between one or the other, I guess you have that head-to-head data point. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, no, and I didn't think. Look, I didn't think McNeese was going to get as high as they did. I mean, pretty impressive there. And in, even again, Southeastern's fifty-five. Now, Southeastern's not really in the at-large conversation. I wouldn't think at fifty-five. But if McNeese gets that conference tournament draw again, where where they get another game against Southeastern to boost themselves potentially if they win, I mean. McNeese isn't like out of this thing either all of a sudden, right? I mean, it's it's closer than I thought it would be. Right. And for the Cajuns, if McNeese wins out, they won't fall below 50. I right. wouldn't think if they went out. And that's another and, resume. And, and that'd be certainly. another top 50 
that'd be another three top 50 wins. And South Alabama and Texas State look like they're going to stay as well. So that's, that's what, six more, right? You have three wins against each of those teams, don't you? Especially if you play both. Yeah, you could have yeah, you could have even two more. So you could have eight top fifty wins in those two teams alone. I mean, that's again, that's crazy. And I think they're getting discounted on well, and I don't I shouldn't say that because it hasn't happened yet. But if the committee leaves them out, you're putting so much of an emphasis on the top fifteen games and not paying attention to so many quality wins between teams ranked fifteen and fifty, which again, there's there's three hundred teams. Like a team in the top fifty is a good team. But we will see. They don't listen to us. If they can call me, I'll tell them what I, I'll tell them how to seed it. I'll tell them the whole thing if they yeah. want to ask. Just they, like the Astros can call me, and I'll I'll help them get Dallas Keuchel. Can Can we focus a little more on Preston? Yes, Tucker? no, we can definitely focus more on him. But the problem is, is Dallas Keuchel's a free agent? He's available. Preston Tucker, they got to go get. Yeah, but how much can it cost? No, it to shouldn't trade cost them anything. Yeah. But you know, nobody's about, done you it yet. Better get him for a bag of balls, right? Well, let's do it. Let's get it done. Of course, the the beauty of getting McCormick back and Brantley back is that you actually have guys now coming off the bench who could actually get a hit. Where right now, I mean, they got well, it's just pawball. All right, appreciate it. Y'all have a nice day.